Hello and welcome to Nutmeg Book Drops, Elementary Edition. This podcast is brought to you by Librarians Connect, a group of public and school librarians from throughout the state of Connecticut. Find us online at bit.ly slash librariansconnect. On each episode, we will be discussing one or more of the 2023 Elementary Nutmeg Book Award nominees. You can check these out from your local library. On this episode, we are thrilled to talk with Angela Burke Kunkel, the author of Digging for Words, Jose Alberto Gutierrez and the Library He Built. Digging for Words was published by Schwartz and Wade Books and is a 2023 Nutmeg Elementary nominee. Hello, Nutmeg listeners. I'm Maureen Schlosser, a former school librarian and classroom educator. And I'm Angela Burke Kunkel, and I am the author of Digging for Words, which is illustrated by Paula Escobar. Hi, I'm Ann Poirier. I'm a school librarian at Moses Y. Beach Elementary School in Wallingford, Connecticut. Angela, it's so great to talk with you today. And I know that you are a school librarian. So I'm wondering how do the children in your school react when they learn that you were a published author? First of all, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you both. Before I answer that question, I'm going to mention that I work with middle and high school students, not elementary school students. So they're a little bit older than some of your listeners today or some of the learners who'll be reading the, the Nutmeg nominees. So it's a funny mix because I think some of my students are very excited, particularly if they do their own writing and they are students who love writing. And then I have some students who, because they're teenagers, think they've outgrown picture books. And that's something that we have to disrupt a little bit. And it's funny because this spring I co-taught a lesson with a ninth grade social studies teacher And her students were working on picture book biographies of people who have made a difference. And I think once they went through the process of doing their own research and gathering information about someone's life and then realizing how much you have to cut it down to the core of your story to show how someone makes a difference and leave room for an illustrator, they maybe had a new respect for for picture books after that, even though they're older than some of your listeners today. That's fabulous that they got that experience because I'm sure that they learned a lot just like you did writing this book. Absolutely. And we looked at so many different models of picture book biographies and how different authors and illustrators told a story or found that thread in somebody's life. And and so the, the research process and the information is really for any age but having to, to pare that story down to picture book size is a really big challenge, no matter how old you are. So now you've touched on this a little bit with how you have had lessons with your students, but what are some of your best writing tips that you share with your learning community? I would say the first one, and it sounds almost like a cliche because I think lots of authors share this with lots of people, But I think if you want to be a writer or if you want to learn how to write well, you have to also be a reader and you have to read a lot. And I think particularly reading the types of books that you're interested in writing. So like picture books have a very specific format and word count and length and and telling at least half the story with the pictures. And so I think the more picture books I read once I wanted to start to write one, 
the more that helped me learn how I wanted to tell stories and picture books. I think the other big writing tip that I had to learn throughout the course of my own writing is I've always really loved to write even when I was really young, second, third grade, and loved writing stories. And I think because I felt like I was good at it, if something didn't come out exactly the way I wanted the first time, I got really frustrated and I was very much a perfectionist because I thought, well, I'm good at this. It should be easy the first time. And I think learning how to let a first draft just be messy and get your ideas out and then falling in love with the revision piece and seeing those puzzle pieces start to fit together and how much your story can change and improve has been something that I've learned to really enjoy that I had a hard time with at first. But I think once you let go of that perfectionist piece and you just have fun with all the steps in the writing process it can be really powerful to learn how to to kind of work each step thank you those are excellent tips thanks on the back flap of digging for words it says that the inspiration for the book came from a video you saw about jose gutierrez and his library (laughs) the video intrigued you to learn more and you researched his story What compelled you to turn your research findings into a picture book? So I think this is related to the writing tip question we just talked about, because I was already kind of in the phase of knowing that I wanted to write picture books, and I was trying to push myself to write at least one new draft a month, which means you have to be gathering lots of ideas and you have to be trying them out as those messy first drafts we just talked about. And so I think because I was already in that mindset of looking for ideas and being open to just drafting things and trying them out, there was a morning where at the time I was writing this, I used to stop at a Starbucks on my way to work and try to write for an hour before going into work. It just kind of came out in one draft. And that doesn't always happen for me, but it just kind of flowed for that hour. And I just let it come out the way that it came out. And if you watch the video, there are lots of children interviewed about Jose's library and why it's important to them and why it matters. And so to me, it very much felt like a child-centered story, even though the, the main figure is an adult. But the reason that it matters is the access that those children have to books. And so to me, that made sense as a, as a picture book, just in the way that I was thinking about it. Okay, thank you. So um, Jose Gutierrez's story takes place in Bogota, Colombia, where they speak Spanish. A learner from Rockwell School is wondering how you were able to understand the resources you found in Spanish. I love this question, first of all. So I want to give a shout out to the learner at Rockwell School who came up with this question because I think it's so smart. And (laughs) I was so impressed by this question. And it was really, really important to do research in both languages. As librarians, we talk about primary source documents and getting the story straight from the people who are experiencing it. And that's Jose and interviews that he's given about his library and his foundation. And also the earliest coverage of his library was in Colombian newspapers. And so those are all published in Spanish. And it was important for accuracy and for research, but it was also important to kind of get the rhythm and the cadence and the decision to use Spanish words in the text, even though most of the text is English, like it influenced those writing decisions as well. The reason I was able to understand those sources is that luckily at the time, not only did I study Spanish in school, but I was working at a dual language middle school in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so a lot of students were getting instruction in English and in Spanish, and I would co-teach 
with teachers in both English and Spanish. So my Spanish is not as good as a native speaker's, and especially not that I am no longer have that opportunity for daily practice with, with students and, and teachers, but I was able to read and understand. And then I would kind of go and cross-check. And so I would ask a friend to help me translate or, or double-check something. And then there are tools like Google Translate. And so using all of those resources together was really helpful. And then I also want to say there's a Spanish translation of Digging for Words called Rescatando Palabras. So there is a Spanish edition. And for those students who are bilingual or, or speak more than two languages, I think that's an incredible tool. And it was really a skill that I had to work on when, when putting this book together. Another learner from Rockwell School is wondering how you came up with the title for this book. I love this question as well. All these Rockwell School learners. That was a tricky one. Titles are hard. That's another writing tip thing that, <laughs> that we should talk about. Originally, the title was The Strength of Words, which is the English translation for what he ended up naming his library and his foundation, which is La Fuerza de las Palabras. That was the original title. And I had some feedback from editors that critiqued the book and not the editor who I ended up working with, but they did, they were kind of meh on that title and wanted to see some other. And I had a hard time. I, I think my brain was so attached to that title because it had just been there. And I ended up cutting up related words that showed up a lot or that stood out for me and putting them into a hat and just pulling out a couple at a time and, re <laughs> and rearranging them. <laughs> almost like magnetic poetry strips or something, you know what I mean? And so I would, and I was like, okay, well, that maybe works and maybe this one. And, and so I just kept kind of rearranging words that hit on it thematically. And then lots of writers, just like students, maybe you do peer editing in classrooms or you have a partner that you are working on a piece of writing with. Lots of authors have critique partners. And so I showed the list of potential titles to my critique partners. And I think that's that's how I ended up landing on digging for words. So, but also I think like when any of us go to a library or a bookstore, the fun part is kind of digging around to see what you're interested in and what you're going to read next. So that was part of, of that idea too. Wow. That's a great story. <laughs> a second grader from Hurlba Elementary School noticed that digging for words is made up of facts and fiction. And I'm wondering what made you decide to get creative with this story? That's another brilliant question. I think it's like we talked about earlier with deciding that to turn this into a picture book is Jose is an adult. But what stood out for me during the video was the children who were interviewed about why his library mattered to them. But I couldn't research each individual child. They didn't always have names attached in videos, and also privacy. They're young children, and knowing that that was what resonated, but that there were limitations to how much I could research, or, you know, ask questions of young people that age. I invented the, the fictional Little Jose as kind of a mixture of any child that would visit his library. So that's the fictional piece is young Jose's story, but it's kind of taking things that I saw from the research and showing them in the, the fictional character. That makes a lot of sense. And that sort of ties into this next question from another second grader at Pearlbutt Elementary School, who was wondering if little Jose was a real person. So you've kind of addressed that. So if he is not, which now we know he's sort of a mm -hmm. compilation of uh, different children, how did you decide to give him the same name as Senor Gutierrez? I, 
I don't know if I have a good answer to that. And I think when that first draft came out in one morning, that was the way it came out. And it stayed the same throughout, even though that there were times when I was questioning if that was a good choice or made sense. And I think I decided to stay with it because to me, the thread that those two characters have, Senor Jose and Little Jose, is the importance of story. And so I also like the idea of their names being linked. And Jose is a, a pretty common name in, in Spanish-speaking communities and countries. But I just, I like the idea that they were connected by their love of books and, and by the older providing access to books and the younger ones seeking books. And so I liked that extra layer of, of their name being the same. Angela, I noticed that the title page includes a quote. It's from writer Jorge Luis Borges. And it says, I have always imagined paradise will be a kind of library. I've never noticed a quote on a title page before. What made you want to add that quote on that page? I had probably seen that quote from Borges before. I don't think it was new to me, but I did notice that Jose mentioned the same quote. And then I watched a lot of videos of, so, of footage of his library to kind of get the feel for what the space was like. And he had stenciled in paint on the front step of that space, the same quote from Borges but in Spanish. I really like that quote as a librarian. I think libraries should be a space that feel welcoming and maybe paradise is, feels like too weighty a word almost, but that, that they should be safe, inclusive, just welcoming, relaxing spaces for people. And to see that step through the course of the, the step where he painted the same quote was just a really cool moment of like, and this is why other people value libraries too. Um, and this is, you know, what he's created for his community in this space that he's developed. So I think because it resonated for me, it clearly resonated for him. It's in that beautiful detail in the illustration that Paula did, but that's not going to jump out to every reader necessarily. So I also wanted it at the, the beginning of the book. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, we're hoping some very careful nutmeg mm -hmm. viewers will pick up on where <laughs> that is included in the illustration. That was wonderful. What was the most important thing you learned about Jose Gutierrez while working on Digging for Words? I would say that one thing that I really admire about Jose is his persistence. And some parts are mentioned in the text, but he, you know, he had limited education growing up. He left school at about the age a lot of your readers and students are now because it wasn't possible for him to continue. And he did a lot of difficult jobs like making bricks with his hands. That's a really intense physical job, becoming a garbage collector. Um, and he saw a need in his community and he filled it. And I think that's incredible, but he didn't just stop there. He's continued this work. And so now he travels with donated books or with discarded books to really, really remote places of Colombia where you need a plane or a helicopter or a special Jeep because the roads are so rugged to get to. And he provides books to those communities as well. And Colombia's had a lot of challenges in terms of conflict. And he's worked with groups that try to mediate and heal those types of conflicts in their country. And I think the coolest thing is he went back to school in his 50s to get his high school diploma. So his learning didn't stop just because he sort of 
rediscovered books and started this project, like he continued his own personal goals as well. And so not all of that has made it into the book, but I just admire him as an individual for the, the ways he's kind of grown this project and, and kept going. Thank you. It is really such an inspiring story. You have addressed that next question about why he opened the library, that he saw the need for it in the community. Is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I think, and some of this is mentioned in the author's note to Digging for Words, but Bogota is a really large city. It's The numbers vary depending on which source you look at, but it's around 10 million people. In that whole really large city, it's the largest city in the country, there are only 19 public libraries. And there was none in his neighborhood, which is in a poor section of Bogota. But I think what I saw in that that relates to the work that a lot of school librarians or public librarians do is we should always be remembering who has access to books and who doesn't and to try to make that more equal. Not everyone has books at home. Not everyone has a fully staffed school library (laughs) with a librarian. Not everyone has a public library that they can get to easily or that their parents can get them to. Or one of the barriers in the community I worked with was people who were families who were undocumented being afraid to use public services because they had to give certain pieces of information they maybe didn't want to give or they were concerned about library fines. So I think the reason that his story is so powerful also translates to libraries here is is I think we should always be thinking about how we make sure that everybody has access to the books that they want and need and to be able to discover books that they may not even know they want or need yet. Yeah, that's an important point because I think a lot of our listeners don't realize that some places don't even have libraries. And mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you get books if there's no libraries? And- right. Yeah. And many of us are lucky enough to have books at home, um, but some people are not. And so there are children in that, that video that we've mentioned that I first saw that inspired me to write this story who mentioned that they don't have books at home. And if it wasn't for Jose's library, they would not have access to books. And so creating those opportunities for people to to get to read, to find out new things, to discover things that they're curious about, I think is just a really important piece. And there, there are lots of different ways that people solve that problem around the world or inside and outside of libraries. But I think his story is one really interesting example of that. So tell us a little bit about yourself as a reader when you were in second and third grade. You mentioned you always loved to write. Yeah, I always loved to write and I always loved to read. And I feel like maybe by second and third grade, it was kind of that bridge between picture books and chapter books a little bit. One picture book I loved when I was in probably second, third grade was Miss Rumpius by Barbara Cooney. I just loved the illustrations. Like it felt like a whole world into itself and it, it just like I love the story of her starting little and growing older to the point where I have in 2024 I'll have a picture book biography of Barbara Cooney coming out so that's a book that that I fell in love with as a reader that you know I've gone back to as an adult and still wanted to learn more about and, and write about and I loved the babysitters club series and then I would do things like because I liked reading so much, I would look for the literal longest book in the library (laughs) and want to check out the biggest, fattest book, which I think at that time was Watership Down, which I'm not sure I got all the layers to, but it, it was an interesting story. And I had a great librarian in elementary school, Mrs. Kotzman, who just really supported like any interest or request and just kind of kept 
offering me books every time I showed up, no matter what was on my mind or, or what I wanted to read about that week. And, and she came to my first Zoom for the book. She, Mrs. Kotzman showed up, which, <laughs> which really surprised me. It was so sweet. So school librarians matter. And she she's one of the people who re- made me a reader. So, you know, there are some books that stand out, but I think it was more that I just wanted to keep reading and, and keep exploring. Now, we have adult Nutmeg listeners that are tuning in, and I noticed that on your website, you include a page for adult writers. Mm -hmm. You offer a picture book writing workshop, and a lot of educators that I know have a book within them, and they always want to write it. So I think it would be good for them to turn to you and get some help. So can you tell us what your workshop is like? You know, that's something I'm growing, and I would love to do more of. I know before we started recording, we were chatting about summers, which I think are always a time for educators to kind of pursue those those passion projects. And, and so I think when I first started to get serious about writing picture books, I don't know, five years ago, maybe, I just really benefited from going to workshops and learning more about the form and the structure and kind of the rules to the the format and how other people did it. And so one of the first ones I took was with Caroline Star Rose, who's an author based in New Mexico. And she's, she has picture books, but she's also a middle grade writer. And just, you know, learning about things like picture books are usually 32 pages and those dramatic page turns really matter. Like how do you pace your story so that it kind of builds that that excitement or that emotion in the reader. So I've done them so far on Zoom and with public libraries here in Vermont or with adult education programs, I'd like to do more of them. But the four writers page on my website that you mentioned is really, there's so much good stuff just online and so many online opportunities. And so I just linked to things that I used during this process that I found really helpful and everything from blog posts where authors you really admire as librarians share how they've done their work or worked on books and there are online webinars or learning opportunities through places like highlights or the 12 by 12 challenge which just focuses just on picture books that I just found really helpful on this this journey to to publication but I think mostly is and and I fell into this too and and still can very easily um, writing is really fun to talk about and it's really hard to sit down and do. <laughs> and so I think the main thing is just, you know, if, if you feel like you have a book in you and you want to try it to just set aside the time and get that first draft down and written so that you can start working with it. And I, I think there are numerous resources out there that I found really helpful, but the hard part is, is sitting down and, and just making sure that you are creating enough words to, to work with. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for sharing those resources yeah. because I know that many people will use them. I hope so, yeah. And I mean, I even think to go back to that lesson plan I was talking about at the beginning with, with ninth graders, we printed off from one of those resources. It's called a picture book dummies, but you could also call it a storyboard where you plan out what you wanna show and the words you wanna use on each page spread. So if you only have 32 pages to work with, what are the pictures that are going to tell your story? And what are the words that you want to fit on each page? And so we use that resource as learners when they were drafting their picture books and they were planning how to work with the information that they had in that limited space. So I think even for students, some of those, those resources are interesting. 
As we close the interview, what would you like our Nutmeg listeners to know about reading? When I think about this question, the first thing that comes to mind, and I, I need to cite Dr. Rudine Sims Bishop, the mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors. Like that's what comes to mind for me when I, when I think about reading and why it's been important to me personally, and also why I want to write, why I'm a school librarian, is the fact that like not only can you see your own thoughts and feelings and emotions reflected, you can learn so much about other people. And I think it's it's one of the most powerful, safest, easiest ways to learn about the world. Like if we all work to make sure everybody has access to books, then we can gain so much from, from the books that we read. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you writing this very important book because it is a window into Jose Gutierrez's life. And if it wasn't for you and this book and the nutmeg committee, this story, I wouldn't have known about it. And it's just an incredible story. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast and for all the wonderful questions from readers. That's it for this week's episode of Nutmeg Book Drops Elementary Edition. You can find out more about our podcast at our website, bit.ly slash librariansconnect. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified when the next episode drops. Thanks so much for listening.